Well, good morning. Are you thankful this morning? Well, we'll see if we can fix that. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question before I start into this, and that is, and you should be asking yourself this, what do I have to be thankful for? Now, I suppose it's pretty easy if you look around on any given day for us all to see things that we're not particularly thankful for. But if we choose to, on that very same day, we can find even more reasons to be thankful. And I say choose to because I think a thankful, thankfulness is a, is a choice. It's also a discipline. It's one that we develop by looking in three directions. By looking up, by looking around, and by looking within. Now, I'm sure that probably most of us have heard of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. It was the first in five Christmas novellas that he published. His fifth and last story was called The Haunted Man and the Ghost's Bargain. Now, if you remember the Christmas Carol, you also, he must have had a thing about ghosts. But his fifth one probably was his hardest-hitting of the five. It tells the story of a Professor Redlaw, and he's troubled with his unhappy memories of his childhood. And just like in A Christmas Carol, Professor Redlaw is visited by a specter who offers him relief. He offers him relief by having his memory of that sorrowful childhood destroyed. Professor Redlaw accepts the offer, but he finds that not only is his memory of that time gone, but also his capacity for empathy and compassion for the sufferings of others is gone. He's also made capable of bestowing that gift on others, and with similar memorable and miserable consequences. One young woman, Millie, remains unaffected by the bitterness of Redlaw's gift. And the story climaxes when Millie reveals the moral of the story. It's important to remember past sorrows and wrongs so that you can then forgive those responsible and, in doing so, unburden your soul and mature as a human being. With that realization, the novel ends with everyone back to normal. And Redlaw, like Scrooge was, now a changed, more loving man, a more whole person. Redlaw learns to be humble at Christmas. Memory has been referred to as the well-stored library of the mind. Memory makes the joys of yesterday live again. Memory in the night makes past days appear all over again. And I suppose we've all had times in our lives we'd like to forget. We'd kind of like to have amnesia. Amnesia literally means without any memory. But how difficult would it be for us to be thankful children if we could not remember 
what God has done for us. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 92, just a little before the psalm we read earlier. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2 tells us, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. In verses 4 and 5, it is good to give thanks and sing praises because you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. And then in verse 8, But you, O Lord, are on high forever. As a pastor, I've seen the moral of, of Dickens' story carried out in everyday life. Many a kind-hearted pastor has attempted to sympathize with somebody in his congregation who is in sorrow or in pain. But it was not the pastor necessarily, but it's with those who have similar experiences who make the largest contributions to healing. A mother who's had a stillborn child can comfort another mother like no one else. Military families who have sent their loved ones off to battle or to war can understand each other's needs, often without even uh, having to be asked. A parent who has a wayward child can sit with another parent with a unique bonding and empathy. Those who've lost their jobs in an economic downturn or even during a pandemic are able to help each other in a special way. And as we've seen, actually, homeless people sometimes can band together to become a community. And it goes on. The people who have been there, done that, are those who understand the most when they can look back and remember. Now, as Christians, we have Jesus Christ, who empathizes with our sorrows and our pains. His suffering was a choice so that we could know that he understands. He empathizes and gives us guidance and comfort when comfort is needed. And that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-5. to Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And as we get ready this week for our own Thanksgiving, it's a national holiday I believe it originally was designed as a more a religious experience. It's been co-opted and it's kind of a secular kickoff to Christmas now. And yet it's still a very important thing, a practice and time for all of us, believers and even non-believers, to take some time to be reminded of the things that should make us a thankful people. 
If you're so inclined to open your own Bible, turn to Psalm 92. And if you're not, you can read them on the slides up here. But I'd like for us to read Psalm 92, verses 1 to 8. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. I said in my opening comments a moment ago that thankfulness is a discipline, and it's one that we develop by looking in three directions, up, around, and inward. So I'd like for us to start by looking upward. As we've just seen by looking at Psalm 92, giving thanks causes us to look up. (laughs) It should. Thanksgiving is what we offer to God for what he has given us or done for us. Or as some people would say, or has done to us. Psalm 107, verses 21 and 22 says, Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Now, as we see in the book of Acts and some of Paul's letters, Paul experienced some difficulties in life. You think? One or two? And yet he remained thankful and focused on the Lord. We see in his writings to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 20, that he was giving thanks always for all things to God. And then he wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2, We give thanks always to God for you. He wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Finally, he wrote to Philemon in chapter 1, verse 4, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Throughout the New Testament, we see examples of Paul looking up in thankfulness to God. But secondly, a thankful heart looks around. Looking around in our relationships and our circumstances. First, we look in our relationships. Not only did Paul have a relationship with God, but he had a number of close relationships with people. He couldn't seem to close one of his letters without thanking all of the people that he had with him and the people at the letter's destination. And as you read those letters he wrote, you see he speaks 
with fondness of all of them. He mentions them by name and then often says something else about them. He often thanks God for the people he works with and for. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Are there any people in your life that you're not particularly thankful for? <laughs> uh, be thankful for them. He says, we should give thanks for our friends and our loved ones, and as he often does in his as he often does in his epistles. For example, in Acts twenty eight, verse fifteen, he says, And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Whenever Paul was next to someone that God had sent to minister to him, he expressed his gratitude. Now, the recent pandemic has made it a little more difficult for us to do that. As the civil authorities encouraged us to skip our Thanksgiving gatherings in the past. But in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Now, I don't know if during the pandemic, any of you or all of you were obedient to the civil authorities and didn't have a Thanksgiving gathering, but I know a lot of people did. And it was difficult. But even for those who didn't gather in the same room around the same table, I just can feel here we're close to their loved ones and their friends in heart, being thankful for what they have. And those relationships are precious. Paul's letters all seem to be liberally seasoned with thankfulness to God for his relationships. Now, I don't believe God designed us to be loners. The, the Lone Ranger, you remember him, it made a great story, but it wasn't exactly a warm and fuzzy lifestyle. When people give testimony of what God is doing in their lives, very often, if not most often, it involves relationships. They've discovered that growing spiritually is usually much easier when you grow with somebody else who helps you, who encourages you. We see that in one-on-one -on -one discipleship. We see it, hopefully, in marriage, uh, in mentoring. The importance of friendship cannot be overstated. To have someone you're close to who ministers to you, who encourages you, who laughs with you, and sometimes even cries with you. And I hope... I hope everybody in this room can look somewhere else in this room and see somebody who fits that description. One of the things I, I learned very early as a young man how, was how blessed I was to have close friends. But it also made me feel really badly for people who did not have a close friend. How lonely an existence that is. It's a very, very important thing to have. 
one that you should give thanks to God for. Kind of like army buddies, if you will, and foxhole friendships. The bonds come quickly, and they last forever. And then, while it's sometimes difficult, it is good to be thankful in our circumstances. This is one of those areas, at least I find myself struggling with from time to time, maybe we all do, but even in our prayer lives, but being thankful in all things. Well, why should I be thankful for that? (laughs) Well, it's kind of easy to be thankful for the good stuff. But sometimes circumstances don't make us feel particularly thankful. And yet we, we have a lot to learn by being thankful for the difficulties in life. I recently saw a Thanksgiving cartoon of a California turkey farmer He was speaking with a visitor at the gate of his farm, and he was holding an axe. And he said said to the visitor, Well, farming can be tough for everyone. Now, I won't say this has been a trying year, but it's the first Thanksgiving I can remember that we had a turkey volunteer. (laughs) Most of us have probably had times like that. But do you wake up in the morning and sense God's presence in your life, as the psalmist did here in 92.2? He said, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by the time it's night. <laughs> you sense his, his presence and then thank him for rest and refreshment. The Hebrew word translated loving kindness is a a very rich word that describes the goodness and the graciousness of God. The psalmist is overwhelmed with God's loving kindness in the morning. But interestingly, in the evening, it's a different word. The word for faithfulness. How many times have we been able to look back after a full day and seen places where we might have gone off the rails if it weren't for God's faithfulness? Scripture tells us that we should be thankful people, giving thanks all of our lives, day and night, regardless of our circumstances. Everything that we consider a difficulty can usually serve as evidence of a good thing God has done for us. Um, Those who have recently had joints replaced, you know, the, the, the few days after surgery, you weren't really thankful for, were you? But now that you're able to get up and walk around on a, on a joint that doesn't hurt like it used to or gives you mobility that you didn't have, now you can be thankful for that. <laughs> Dirty dishes in the sink. You ladies were all thankful for that, right? Because us guys were just, okay, you guys can handle that. We'll... Uh, now, I know some of you guys do the dishes. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> but dirty dishes in the sink are evidence of having food to eat. Laundry stacking up in the laundry room is evidence that you have decent clothes to wear. An unmade bed is evidence of a good night's rest. And so on and so on. And in expressing our gratitude, 
We need to be able to look up to Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and thank him for all that he does for us. And then look around and thank God for the people and circumstances that he's brought into our lives. Our final perspective, our so what, if you will, is that a thankful heart needs to also look within. Louis Benedictus Smeeds was a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary from 68 to 95. He was a pretty well-known Christian author, an ethicist, theologian. And among his writings is a book entitled, A Pretty Good Person. Now, I'm not sure if he included it as part of the original title or if it was written later as a subtitle, but it also continues and says, What it takes to live with courage, gratitude, and integrity. As you might guess from that title, he starts out talking about courage and a person's grit. But he quickly gets to the fact that a good person is one who experiences and expresses gratitude. In his book, he discusses an experience in his life one cold December morning when his wife found him on the kitchen floor of their apartment, nearly dead. That's mostly dead for you Princess Bride fans. But not all dead, mostly dead. He was rushed to the hospital by ambulance where he was diagnosed with numerous blood clots in his lungs. And against huge odds, actually, he survived. He wrote, though, of how one night he awoke from a dream, feeling extremely grateful. I can identify with this, having been in a hospital, mostly dead, but waking up one day feeling grateful to be alive. He wrote this. He said, I was flying outside of myself high, held in weightless and lightness, as if my earthly existence needed no ground to rest on, but was hung in space with only love to keep me aloft. I was so grateful. It was then that I learned that gratitude is the best feeling I would ever feel in all of my life. It was the ultimate joy of living. It was better than winning the lottery. Better than watching your daughter graduate from college. Better and deeper than any other feeling. It is perhaps the genesis of all other really good feelings in the human repertoire. I am sure that nothing in life can ever match the feeling of being fully, totally, completely grateful. As we close this morning, I want to ask you, when you look back on this last year or two, what will you see? Will you see what God has done in your life? Will you see things or people that you have lost? And we've all lost people. We just lost a good brother here. <laughs> but we know where he is. Maybe you think of uh, some difficulties that stem from a global pandemic. 
Have you grown through them? Have you become stronger in your faith? Are you now more faithful in your walk with Jesus? Maybe you can just say, well, it hasn't been a great year for me, but I've, I've learned a lot about God this year. That's okay. Thank him for that. I pray you're not like Professor Redlaw, lacking memory. Or maybe you just suppress the memories of your past, both good and bad. Maybe you don't feel thankful because it's been so long since you remembered those times. Or maybe you've been lacking the capacity to feel empathy or compassion. And right now you just feel bitter, cold, hardened inside. Well, later this week, most of us are going to have a special time when we can look back on our year. And what do you do when you look back? You remember. That's why you look back. As you sit around your Thanksgiving table, take a moment and look around you at some of the people who mean the most to your life. Some of the relationships that you hold most dear. Then look back on the year that you've had, maybe at some not-so-good stuff. Probably a whole lot of really good stuff. Maybe even the circumstances that made it possible for you to share this time with those loved ones. That's when I want you to turn and look inward. You don't have to promote it. You don't have to force it. Just feel the gratitude welling up inside you, waiting to explode into praise and thanksgiving to God. Then look up and let it go. Be thankful to our God, our good and great God. Would you pray with me? Lord, sometimes we use the words, thank you. And we don't even think about them. They're just throwaway words. But as your children, those are words that should really mean something to us. I pray that this week, we spend the next several days, spend the next 365 days, remembering the things that you have done for us, done with us, yes, and done to us. <laughs> and Lord, help us learn how to be disciplined enough to look up and round and within and say, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.